Well, first of all, good morning to everyone. The gospel that we just heard is immediately following, obviously, another section in the gospel that should be obvious, but it's actually put in contrast to what Jesus had just previously said. So I want to give a little context. So Jesus had just reproached these unrepentant towns. And not only were these towns unrepentant, but that's where Jesus' greatest works had happened. And he says that not only have you not repented, but if these same works would have happened in Sodom, Sodom would still be standing today because they would have repented. Now he's putting that in contrast to those who are childlike. So the first question, what made these people unrepentant? They had seen all these amazing works, apparently, that Jesus had done. What made them not change? What made them not convert their lives? And then, what does it mean to be childlike? But first, to this other town that we didn't hear necessarily today, but I think it's important to put in contrast. What characterized those towns was pride and entitlement. Well, of course all of these things happened. Why would they not happen to me? Of course these things happened. You know, they happened because I made them happen. These wonderful works, you know, that was, it's all because of me. It's not God. It's because of what I did that we made these things happen. That pride and entitlement. Now, in the contrast, we have the childlike. And that the Lord says that although we have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. But what does it mean to be childlike? What are those characteristics of the childlike? If this other town was prideful and entitled, the childlike is humble and poor. Those are the two virtues that distinguish the childlike. So on one hand, while you have maybe someone who is entitled, they demand without any apology, I deserve this, you must give this to me. The childlike receives without apology. I see a lot of young families here, and who here has children? Raise your hand. Has had, you know, at some point, Father Shinoi, don't raise your hand. That'd be weird. <laughs> you better be raising your hand, otherwise your daughter's gonna kill you. So, especially with small children, let me ask the parents here. When your child is hungry, do they say, you know, Mom, I know you're really busy right now, but I'm, I, I, and when you, maybe when you get a spare second, I'm kind of hungry. Which just, if you, anything simple, I mean, really, just whatever simple you can throw together, I'm just, I'm just a little bit hungry. If, I'd really appreciate that. Not at all. I might not have kids my, by, myself, but I do have nieces and nephews, nephew, singular. And yeah, that's not, especially when they're at grandma's house, they get everything and anything they want. Why? It's not an entitlement. They want, they ask because they can't do it themselves. They realize that they need somebody else to provide for them. They can't provide it themselves. They can't cook. And if they could cook, you probably wouldn't trust them around the stovetop. Right? No, they need the help of a mother and a father so that way they can be fed. They can't even... Babies can't even change their own diapers. 
and neither do they apologize for needing their parents to change their diapers, or in my case, Uncle Adam. No, they need somebody else to provide for them. They receive that without apology because they know they can't do it themselves and God has put someone in their life to help them. There's the second virtue I said, we have this humility. Second thing, poverty, which is kind of a weird thing maybe that you've never heard poverty as a virtue. And one of my favorite cardinals of the church, Cardinal Sarah, he's from Guinea in Africa. And he's from this tiny little village. I mean, I thought my journey to get to seminary was, you know, a four-hour drive to Miami for my first three years and then a three-hour drive to Palm Beach for my last five years. No, this man had to take several ferries and like a couple days journey for him to get to seminary when he would go back and forth on breaks and things like that. And he was this small little town where the only priests that were there were missionaries. And he had, you know, that was his only experience. These missionaries were actually new. They were just starting to create converts. And he would go every single day to serve mass. He ended up becoming bishop and archbishop at a very, I believe he was bishop by like age 35, which means apparently I have five years before I'd never want to get named bishop. But anyway, so what's incredible is that despite the fact that he's a cardinal in the church now, he recognizes his dignity is the same as when he was a small boy in a very tiny village in Guinea. That never changed. And he actually fought against, he said, I, I saw this advertisement, this campaign to fight against poverty. And he said, absolutely not. That is we have to fight against injustices to the poor, of course. Any injustice against human dignity, we must fight against. But poverty is the recognition that I need something from somebody else, that I need to come out of myself and realize I can't do it all myself. I need the help of another. In the USA today, we have a lot of civil unrest happening. And for good reason, there's a lot of injustices that we need to be addressed. How do we go about addressing it? And I see on many people's Facebook pages and a lot of people are just shouting at the top of their lungs. Ah, oh, this is what we need to do. Why are we not doing this? This is what we need to fight against. Nobody's listening. Everyone's shouting at the top of their lungs, at least the majority of people, and many people. But no one's sitting back to listen, to come together to truly identify what it is that we need to do. So what does it mean to address problems with the virtues of humility and poverty? I'd like to point back to 1994 at the National Prayer Breakfast in DC, filled with politicians of Republicans, Democrats. And for about nine minutes, you had this short little nun, about five foot tall, Mother Teresa, really hitting hard for nine minutes about the problems of abortion in our country. And everybody applauded. They could not not applaud Mother Teresa. They had to. At one point she said, if you don't want your babies, I want your baby, I love your babies, bring them to me, I will happily take them from you. But she continued for nine minutes to hit them as hard as she could 
and they applauded. Why? Because she lived out that humility and poverty. You couldn't say anything bad about her. Now, I want to be, you know, it's one thing to say, this is what we need to do. Look at myself. Hold up the mirror a little bit. Before I entered seminary, before I decided that the Lord was calling me to become a priest, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and it was not the priesthood. I was going to be a chef. And by the time I was 20 years old, I had basically fulfilled everything that I had set out in life. I was working at a Ritz-Carlton, cooking for famous people. I was making good money, living on my own, new car, great girlfriend. Everything was going as planned. But I was so much self-consumed. I was like, look at all the things that I have done. All of my accomplishments. I didn't focus on the fact that, you know, it took my family supporting me through culinary school. I didn't focus on the fact that, you know, uh, I had just kind of fallen into kind of a good path. No, no, no. It's not what anyone else did for me. My accomplishments, what I have done. I remember when I was 20 years old and going to the leasing office at my apartment complex, and the woman looked at me and she was like, I can't rent to you. Why? You're a child. She's like, you look like my son who's 17 years old. And then I had to, you know, go grab my pay stubs and show like, no, I have a job and I make good money. I so promise you I can rent from this place. And she was just so shocked. And I, that, was, that was a moment of pride for me. Look how young I am and look how great I'm doing. Here's the problem. Despite everything I'd done, despite having accomplished all my worldly desires at 20 years old, I was empty and miserable. All of that. And here I am doing my dream job dead inside. And I couldn't figure out why. Why is it that when I do the job that I love, I feel empty? It's because I had filled myself up with Adam, not with the Lord. It was all about me. And you can't continue to feed yourself. You need somebody else. It wasn't until I radically accepted that the Lord was working in my life that things started to change. And I started going back to Mass because I had fallen away from the church. And I started going back to the sacraments. And I started going to adoration. And I asked the question, Lord, what do you want me to do for my life? How can I serve the church? And the Lord said, what about becoming a priest? It's not easy to stand before God, completely poor, with absolutely nothing. Because so many times we want to justify, Lord, of course you love me because look at all these things that I have done. No, no, no. Put all that aside. All of those accomplishments that you have, all of those things that you've done, put it all aside. Stand before the Lord with absolutely nothing in your hands. Allow the Lord to love you in that Allow the Lord to love you in your poverty, completely humble before him. And that is when your life will start to change. That is when you'll be able to truly receive the love of God who desires nothing but yourself.